0: All right, we get it rolling on a Saturday. Back with you, streaming live on The Krug Show. Happy February 24th to everybody. Eight minutes after nine on the West Coast. So good morning to all you West Coasters. Good afternoon to everybody on the East Coast. Eight minutes afternoon. Welcome to The Krug Show, brought to you by Pig and a Pickle. The best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week. From 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., or until Damon and Mary run out of barbecue. Uh, Go say hi to Damon and Mary. Get some brisket. Get some brisket chili. Tell them that Larry Kruger sent you. We're also brought to you by Marin Auto Glass, marinautoglass.com, 415 883 3030. Underdog Fantasy as well. Uh, Check the link in the description. Use the promo code KRUG, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match you up to your first $100. And then this month, we are sponsored as well by Sharp Corner Sports Cards and Collectibles, 205 Cypress Avenue down in Pacific Grove and along the Monterey Peninsula. Call Anthony Catania. He's at 831-521-5264. And valleyhillroofing.net, 209-481-6851. All the links to all the websites for all of our sponsors are listed in the description. If you want to help the channel, uh, it always helps to shop the sponsors. All right, we're back with you on a Saturday. I really thought, Coach, we were going to be talking about... Um, The new D.C. The new D.C., and it just didn't materialize. I had a lot of Niner people tell me yesterday, you know what, my, you know, people that are in and around the franchise down there, wait, today's the day for the DC announcement. And so I'm literally, I canceled my afternoon plans, kind of hovered around the house. Um, and no, it wasn't the case. The only story of the day is that Isaiah Oliver is no longer a Niner. So why don't we start there? What do you think? I mean, um, Oliver, I don't know. It's like, it's easy to blame him. He had a couple good games. He just, he wasn't the, he wasn't, a, you know, I didn't love him at Colorado. Then he goes in the draft. He plays outside corner for a couple of years. He didn't look very good, but then the the Falcons moved him to slot corner. He had a great year. He had a pick against the Niners. And then I think Steve Wilkes probably gave the thumbs up to uh, Oliver last year in free agency, and he had some good moments, but he just, he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, you know, couldn't do it again. He really didn't have the body control to mirror people up and down the field as a corner. Right. That didn't really have the, I don't know. He's, he's a big bodied guy. Spatial awareness. You could too. say it.
1: You could tell he just doesn't know where he, there were times and, where and he, he didn't know where he was, was on the even. field.
0: Yeah. yeah. I and mean, I mean, there was, he's like a betweener. Who's not what you want in either spot. He's not really big and physical enough and hits. He doesn't strike you. Uh, in the run game to be a safety, so he's not a great safety, and then he's not a great cover guy inside or outside. So he's moving I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. CT Niner just threw
1: me off. He put he put breaking news Bill Belichick hired as the defensive coordinator coordinator for the 49ers, and I immediately tuned you out and went to my phone. Like, come on, CT. Stop pump faking. Look at that. Look at that. He got me. He got me. Because, you know, right now we're waiting for the Pope smoke, essentially. Right? Like, we're waiting to hear um, who's our next guy. Uh, But to get back on your sentiment with uh, Isaiah Oliver, it just wasn't a fit from jump. Um, At first, he was packaged as the straight-up nickel replacement. Then we got to look at him, and then there were questions. And we're talking about literally the first time we got to look at him, Oakland. And uh, we saw him giving up on plays, not uh, missing tackles in the open field. And to, to his credit, it got better, Larry. It did. I, I remember maybe like in week five, week six, he had kind of been kicked off the island, and then we saw him again in spot duty. And it was saying, "Well, you know, uh, Oliver." Uh, we saw Oliver make a great tackle. It's kind of like the floor was so low for him that you know we were just giving him credit for being a football player, um, but. I do feel like it just wasn't a fit. Uh, after he kind of got moved from being a nickel, the question started coming, and I remember um, distinctly Coach Wilkes started explaining Isaiah Oliver's role as more of a uh, hybrid transient kind of. Hey, we're gonna use him as a linebacker. Then he can be a dime. Then he could be a true safety. Then he could be uh, a nickel, and you know we're gonna use him situationally. And and it was kind of like a. Uh, a house of mirrors answer. Uh, and really what it was is evaded from the fact that we had a plan for this guy to do something for us. Obviously it's not what we thought it was. We put investment in him to do it. So because of the type of guy he is, we're trying to get as much worth out of him as possible. I mean, that's usually how most guys are used when they're kind of used all over the field, but they don't necessarily have a distinct role. And that's really not enough. Um, to be quite honest, on a defense like ours, he was brought in to be a consistent contributor, not a spot duty guy, not a patch. Um, so, um, I can't say that I didn't see this coming. Ah, uh, but you know, it is what it is. We need the money anyway.
0: Yeah, and it's two point four million of uh, save cap savings. You saw the 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 story that was significant yesterday, and that's the cap. Went up to two hundred and fifty five point four million. It was a thirty million dollar jump, so that was good. And and people saying, well, you know, did did, was it a surprise? Well, it it was sort of a surprise. Um, A lot of people thought it would be close to two hundred and fifty million, which would be you know an increase of about twenty five million dollars. But it went up even more because this was a correction from you know from uh, the COVID. The COVID time where the cap actually went down. So there was a little bit of a correction that took place here. And, and, you know, Brad had an interesting, uh, tweet where he's like, you know, people need to calm down on, on who's going, you know, who's going to come, who's going to go because the cap always goes up. Yes, that's true. But at the same time, I would also, I would, I agree with him, uh, that you just, the, the cap's always going up. So there's and will continue to go up on a sport like the NFL, um, but you still have to make really prudent financial decisions, and you got to trim the fat, and you can't pay guys that you shouldn't be paying, and that probably means check, you know, is is too expensive for them. But we all would agree that the number one need, I think, is the offensive line. Um, <clears throat> now, some people would say, well, it could be the defensive line too, because they do have a bunch of defensive line free agents and corner It would be nice to have a number one corner, but I would say offensive line probably is the biggest need. The question is this, do you attempt to fill the offensive line need in, you know, just like in one or the other, the draft or free agency, or do you look to fill the offensive line needs and, and try to take stabs at both free agency and uh, the draft. To me, the question is: I, I think they've got three openings. I think they're only really set at left tackle and left guard. I don't. I don't. I'm not set at center. I'm not set at right guard. I'm not set at right tackle. I think all those guys could be backups. But what do you think, Coach? Is there? You know, there's there's a lot of projection here. I don't see a great tackle free uh, free agent market, but there is Trent Brown. Uh, they I was have just about to say that. And there's Jermaine uh, Illuminor from the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, both those guys have good PFF rankings for the year. Um, I like the idea of, of the monster-bodied Trent Brown coming back, but they got rid of him once upon a time because he wasn't in shape. And then guard-wise, there's a bunch of guys. Nick Allegretti, Cody Whitehair, Ezra Cleveland, Damian, Damian Lewis, uh, Sadiq Charles. There's There's a bunch of guys out there. How would you attack the offensive line in trying to improve it?
1: I would go young and go in the draft. Um, I feel like you can uh, make things happen with the draft um, where you can get cheap. You can stick a guy in there right away and he can be there for 10 years. I feel like offensive line is something that's very, very important, but it's really not rocket science. Um, You invest in a guy that you think can stay there. And the problem with us is is that we – we don't value the position schematically, inherently, and offensively. We just don't. Um, Kyle has said, uh, when asked directly about the offensive line, Kyle has come out and said that, you know, you can scheme around things like that, right? But there comes a time where when you're trying to win a Super Bowl and you're putting your team under its stress test, you can't scheme around that, right? And I feel like, it's going to be hard for us to go out and get a free agent that's really going to stick stick there for a while. On top of the guys that we have to pay, that's why I feel like going young, going through the draft. I mean, if you want to go young, you want to go cheap. You go through the draft. I feel like it's time for us to start hitting on some of these earlier guys. Um, and I wouldn't mind. Um, I know that we're talking about tackles, but for what it's worth, stay with stay with your uh, stay with your ethos. You don't want to get. High price guys at the position because you feel like you can get the skill type the skill set at a lower price or at for, for a lower asset. All right, cool. You feel like I feel like they may turn a, turn it around with uh Colton McKivitz. He's got a full season under his belt. All right. And I think they may like him entrenched right there. Honestly, I believe that the real positions that they're gonna change are the guard in the center. And at 31. You can get the best center in the draft. You can get even like the second best center in the draft. I feel like getting a center. Um, Kyle has come out and said again, the center is the most important position on this team. He calls the protections. He sets he sets the slides. He makes sure that he uh, audibles for 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 changing the mic and blitz pickup. And I remember what Alex Mack did for our offense. Remember Alex Mack? And Alex Max was at the end of his career. And yeah. Kyle was so over the moon about Alex Mack and what he was doing for our offense, how he was understanding how to set the protections, how he was setting the how he was setting the line of attack at the point of attack. I mean, I'm telling you right now, one of the biggest things for us is that I think that Jake Brindle is kind of going on un, under the radar as being a really big issue for us offensive line-wise. But it's the truth. It, it, I feel like a strong center lifts two positions simultaneously while being a good position within of yourself. So I feel like a good center, or if we're not gonna go center, a corner or a tackle, because I feel like the value will be there, right? Like if an Amarius Mims slips, you can't not take Amarius Mims.
0: To me, I mean, it, it's. I agree. I mean, Mims is really, really intriguing. Um, just just the the perfect prototype body type. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just, you know, he could, if you passed on him, you know, and I don't know, you know, he's only got eight career starts, so it's a major risk. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. you pass on him, there's a chance that you're going to look up in 15 years and he's going to be in the, he's going to be in the hall of fame. Right. But then there's some other guys too.
1: See, this is how I see our draft. It's a little sneaky. It's a problem for us because, at 31 in the position that we're in we can end up reaching too far for a guy that doesn't deserve to be picked in the round or missing on a guy that will nowhere that will not be available at all by the time we get our next crack at crack at bat so our our problem is is finding value for where we are in the draft right so the top 5 guys in the ta- in, for the tackles right now that I know are pretty much dreams you're not going to have him. It's Joe Art, uh Fashanu from Penn State, um, Talisi Fuaga, which I believe is the best tackle in the draft. Uh JC Latham out of Alabama, who's just, he's built out of granite. I mean, just he's a video game player, like 6'6, 360, and runs a 4'8. I mean, what else do you want to talk about? Then Marius Mims, who for me, he's not as he's not as glossy as uh JC Latham as far as measurables in play, but Amarius Mims has a much higher ceiling than J.C. Latham. J.C. Latham has played a lot of football, all right? And for the things that Amarius Mims is doing in his short amount of starts, with the strength, the, the understanding of angles, the get-off, he was. it took J.C. Latham—I'm an Alabama fan, by the way, for context. It took J.C. Latham years to get to that level of play. So I just think that Amarius Mims has a much higher ceiling than him. But those are the top five tackles you got. The contingencies right now. I know Jesse loves Jordan Morgan. Jordan Morgan is a guy, but he's got short arms. I believe you and I talked about this. Yeah on on the show. Um, right now, outside of that, I feel like somebody that would be reputable at tackle uh, would be Tyler Guyton, Patrick Paul, or Graham Barton.
0: And um, and the kid Sumatea from BYU is also. You know, they're saying that his workout in Indy could just be off the freaking charts. What it is, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, just that he's just a crazy athlete at six six. You know, he's been listed at two eighty. I've seen him as high as three fifteen. So I think he's kind of the international man of mystery going into uh, into the combine is is Kingsley Sumatea, who started at Oregon, transferred to BYU. You know it's interesting looking at just some of the mock drafts, and and you know I think we kind of know that there's certain positions you could probably rule out, but I think in when it gets down to the you know where the Niners pick at 31, they're going to be looking for offensive tackle, defensive tackle, wide receiver, cornerback. Mm-hmm. I think those are probably the spots, yeah. and the guys that that they could be on the board are Enos Rakestraw, the corner from Missouri. Six feet, 188 pounds, uh, really skinny, but really good cover corner guy. Um, Kamari Lassiter, the corner from Georgia, is going to be there. TJ Tampa, the corner from Iowa State. So if you're looking for a corner, those three guys are probably going to be on the board. Then wide receiver-wise, maybe Brian Thomas falls. That would be incredible. He had 17 touchdowns this year for LSU. Maybe Keon Coleman. Depending on everybody's got a different deal on Coleman. Uh, Keon Coleman's got a massive catch radius, and he had fifty catches this year, eleven touchdowns. He could make Brock Purdy look really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's Troy Franklin from Oregon, Adonna Adonna um, uh, Adonai uh, Mitchell from Texas, Lad McConkey from Georgia. Um, <clears throat> there's other offensive linemen: Graham Barton, Jordan Morgan, Sumatea. Uh, Tyler Guyton you know those guys are all there as well and then there's some defensive linemen that are pretty intriguing Darius Robinson from Missouri 6'5 295 pounds eight and a half sacks this year can play maybe on the edge can maybe play inside uh, he was the practice player of the week award winner in Mobile during the senior bowl mm-hmm. um, he's intriguing but um, and then there's Chris Jenkins from Michigan, who's you know his dad played in the NFL. He's 285 pounds. He's a workout warrior. Another guy that's probably going to be lifted up by the combine. Um, there's Tavondre Sweat from Texas, who's a true you know. If the Niners want to are serious about stopping the run and having a DJ Jones, he's he's kind of like your DJ Jones. Um, and then there's Xavier Leggett, a wide receiver from South Carolina. I think he's probably going to get some consideration there, and then there's a couple wildcard card linebackers, um, Edron Cooper and um, and Eric Gray uh, from from uh, North Carolina. That all I love Eric there. Gray, yeah, and, and he, linebacker, and and he may be a reach because he's listed a lot down the board in this, but I love him. He's to me, he's very safe. And then and then uh, another guy that has to be considered, I think, is the Ohio State defensive tackle Michael Hall Jr. Who's, you know, 6'2, 290, but he's a freaking nut as a workout guy. And uh, then there's Rook Auroro <laughs> from Clemson. So, I mean, there's there's gonna be Malachi Corley if you if you want that Debo replacement. So mm-hmm. it really is there's gonna be a bunch of guys there. Now, does the increase in the cap um does that change the way they think about Brandon Iuk? Because, you know, I don't we don't know how they think about Brandon Ayuk. We know that Kyle loved him when they drafted him, but you know, there's been a lot of talk of Ayuk's camp that makes it seem like the like the negotiation has gotten off on the wrong foot. Um mm-hmm. where are you with Ayuk? Do you think that that the additional cap room means for sure that he stays? Is there an offer that you could get that would make you move off of Ayuk? Uh,
1: Patrick Tertan. Um, I'd move off a of BA off of Pat for Patrick Tertan. Um, that instantly makes us one of the best uh secondaries in the league with Demo at nickel, Mooney on the other side, and Patrick Tan. I mean, that makes us so formidable. Then we got Huff coming back and uh Jair Brown. That right there would I'd ride that. I'd ride that secondary all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, ride with that pause. So, um, i say that his his cap area, I mean, is probably in the sweet spot of 25 to 28 million a year. Um, I believe uh Amin Ross St. Brown just signed for 25 million per uh, I think he's worth it. Uh I also believe that with the before the cap, before we knew what the cap, the new cap number was, we could already do it, right? With a restructure. We could already do it. Now with the cap that now with the extra cap room that we have. We can we can do it easily. I I, honestly now with the cap, if he leaves, in my opinion, it's just you know irreconcilable. Like they just they just they're different. There are two different sides of the coin. Parag went too low. BA came in too high, and they couldn't find where to meet in the middle because they can get it done, right? Especially now with where the cap is right now, it's really a non-issue. Um, as far as being able to sign him, sign a draft, and go get guys. like signing B.A. would not be an issue. So if it doesn't happen, I believe that um, they didn't want it to happen, and it's it's time for him to move on.
0: What if he just wants a crazy number? I mean, and I bring that up because there's talk that Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Pittman Jr., T. Higgins, that these guys are going to kind of redefine the market and that Justin Jefferson wants – you know, more money than Tyreek Hill, who I think makes over 30 million a year. Uh, and he wants to reset that higher. Um, and what if Ayuk wants money in that neighborhood? I mean, right now, well, right now, okay. Debo makes 28. Do you want to pay him more? Do you have to pay him more? No. Um. In my opinion, I think that,
1: you know, two things can be right at the same time. BA should be paid. Uh his worth in the league for the type of production and pro he is, right? Across the league, where he stands with other receivers. And at the same time, his money needs to also be reflective of his usage rate for the style of football that we play. Like I understand that BA is class personified as a receiver. I mean, he is our true receiver on this team. However, he's not the number one option. Now, if if he becomes that, if the offense evolves into that, great, especially if we see where his money lands. But for right now, recent studies show that as long as Debo CMC is on the field, you're going to be third option at best. And that's even if, depending on who we play that day, if George has a hot day. So um, I feel like one of the things with receivers is – Um, they want consistency because they do want to be the number one threat. They want to be that guy. The only problem is is that the elephant in the room is is that BA wants traditional receiver money, but we're not a traditional offense. And that's the problem. The problem is is that he believes that he should be paid, and rightfully so. This isn't like he's standing on some island. He wants to get paid like the top guys. But the thing about it is, is that I don't have a problem with Justin Jefferson wanting to go after Tariq Hill money. You know why? Because Tariq Hill is the offense of the Miami Dolphins. Justin Jefferson is the offense of the Vikings. You know what I'm saying? Like, these guys are literally the number one option. They get at least 100, 125 to 150 targets a a year. And it's not even a question that they're going to get up to four bills of uh, 1,000 yards a season. It's not. It's a standard, Right. And nobody halfway through the season is going to be asking, Larry, where did this guy go? How come he's not getting this production? Right. And that's not that's not a dig on you. But it's to say those questions get louder once you start making that kind of money the same way. When Nick Bosa got signed, we were chirping early in the season. We're like, where's our thirty four million dollar man at? Right. That's sports. That's how it works. So. I don't. I'm not saying that that's what BA is trying to do, but it seems as though that there could be a possibility for that narrative to be played out, which I feel like can be uh, can be an obstacle that we have to get over between uh, BA and the Niners, i.e. Perak. So uh, that's kind of like the crux of the issue. It's like you can't come in here asking for traditional money, and you know you. You're the third option at best on this offense. You barely scraped over 1,000 yards last year. You blew past it this year with 1,300 yards. But at the same time, there still were issues, um, whether you want to face it or not, on getting open. Like, that happened. So, you know, uh, both sides are going to come to the table and meet in the middle. um, And I'm I'm hoping that they find a number. But I do feel like B.A. is – at the very least, twenty five. If he if they come in at twenty five, I think ba. I think especially if, even with how it's structured, if they give it to if they front load it, like I think ba would be okay with that. Now, if they're not, if they're uh, he- hemming and hawing over like one to two million dollars um per, um, then then we may see a trade.
0: It, it's it's really interesting because um I think if you ask most Niner fans, they would rather say they'd rather keep Ayuk. Resign him and, and trade Debo. Um, and I think every I think that's and- kind of like the worst, best kept
1: secret <laughs> amongst 49er fans. Like, all oh, I, I, I've seen a lot of people kind of come in with the for those of you who don't think that Debo should be traded and they put all of his highlight clips up, which last three minutes of an entire season. But it's like I feel like we all see the production, we all understand. What ball is. And then to be honest, we know what effort is. It's an aroma. You can smell it. You you know, you can't quantify it. There's nothing that you can actually put in numbers. But when you look on the field, we can tell who is waiting to get the ball and who's actually playing the game and making themselves an impact at all times. And that's why people feel the way they feel about on that sentiment.
0: You know, it's interesting. Red Eye says no one wants Debo's cap number. He's not worth more than a third at best. Two years ago, the Jets and Broncos offered a first. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Um, You know, you can – the one thing about the NFL offseason is that you can make – you know, you can make decisions, and sometimes teams make decisions for talent. Sometimes they make decisions for cap. Um, What I'm reading in Minnesota is that the Vikings may opt to move Justin Jefferson because his number may be too big, and they have to sign Cousins as well. They want a good receiver, but they don't want a receiver that's going to break the bank. What would you think of offering Debo and some package of picks to them for Justin Jefferson? I mean, if we had
1: to get Justin Jefferson, it would be Debo and B.A., in my opinion. Like.
0: Well, but <laughs> like, I but you might. Let, what if you could move Debo in a, in a high pick? Would you move Debo in a high pick for Jefferson? I mean, I don't. And then, I mean, Jefferson theoretically,
1: yes. Theor- yeah, theoretically, yes. But I don't think that that's plausible. Debo's yeah. cap number is too high. Nobody's taking on that twenty-eight million to literally scheme up plays for him. Like that's that's Kyle's bag. Everybody doesn't want to take on that that beast. Um, So. One thing about Debo is that um he just has to make himself more impactful away from the plays that are just singularly for him. Um, I think that's the biggest beef. Um, but yeah, if you did if 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 there was a trade to be made for Debo with assets, I'd do it. I'd do it. Because I mean, you really the offensive line is in Debo. That you know what I mean? That $28 million is your O line.
0: Are, you, are there veterans on this team that you would trade? And The reason I ask is because I'm going through the Bleacher Report article yesterday about different guys, and they had IUK to the Raiders, and then they had Mooney Ward to the Commanders. You know, it, should the Niners move off of one of their big-money guys in a trade for either players or picks and try to kind of redo the roster a little bit? Um you know I, the, the, you know you know as long as debo's there you know he's going to be utilized heavily i almost feel like ayuk's not going to get his not going to get the ball as much until debo's not there but you never know i mean it's i it and it's and it's interesting to see cuz i we know kyle loves debo but th- this is a cap sport and everybody you know and 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 debo i think is probably the kind of player that he's not evenly evaluated around the league. He's probably, there. are probably four or five GMs that are like that guy's special. And then there's four or five GMs that are like that guy's done. So, you know what I mean? I, I I don't think everybody's got the same value, but all you need is one team to say, you know what? Yeah, we'll take that guy, that multi, you know, he's a unique weapon. Let's just say that there's not a lot. If you like the, what Debo offers, that run pass option, and you don't have to throw him the ball. You can just hand him the ball. If yeah. you like that element, there aren't a lot of receivers in any draft that resemble Debo Samuel. He's got a unique skill set. I, you know, For that reason, I wonder if there's some team out there that is staring at a $30 million wide receiver and would say, you know what, I'll take Debo Samuel right now at his cap figure if I get a pick with it to sweeten it. Um, and, and move off of my receiver or my corner, as you said, with, uh, Sertan, or I'm just looking at the Niners and I'm thinking, you know what? I mean, I was, uh, g- last night I was going through some of the draft prospects. Mm-hmm. There's a receiver that I really love. His name's Malik Washington. All right. Uh, and he plays for Virginia and he's a small receiver He's built like Tyreek Hill. He doesn't run like Tyreek Hill, but he he's built like Tyreek Hill. And if you look at his his game log and his in his film, uh, it was awesome. And then and then he basically had the best numbers, or he had the best week of anybody at the East West Shrine Game. Um, and he, and he's intriguing as hell. You go look at his game log, uh, Malik Washington. He's a five eight receiver, but he's from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Great athlete. Played for the Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. Against Bautech this year, 14 catches, 115 yards. Against Duke the next week, 8 catches, 112. Against Louisville the next week, 9 catches, 155. Against Georgia Tech, 11 for 109. Against Miami, 12 for 152. Against North Carolina, 12 for 115. These are all in a row. Against William & Mary, 7 for 112 Yards against Boston College, nine for ninety-seven yards against NC State, ten for one seventy and two touchdowns against Maryland, nine for one forty-one. He lit up JMU five for one hundred and nineteen. I mean, He's the guy, problem. the guy has great ball skills. Um, you know, it, it, let's just say you liked a couple of receivers in the draft. You know, you, you, this kid, you could probably get this kid in the third round, fourth round. Um, we'll see what he runs in Indy. They say he's going to run good, but not awesome. Like maybe, maybe mid four fours or. or. Yeah, they're going to say he's four just fours.
1: scraping four four, like four four eight, four four nine.
0: Yeah, so he's he's not a burner per se. But then if you look at his yards after the catch, he's a rack monster. Um, he's, he's really, really intriguing. Uh, and the more I watched him, I was like, God, man, I want that guy on my team. I mean, this guy, this guy is so this is those numbers that I read to you are just freakish. I mean, that those, I mean, the guy had 110 receptions. He led all of FBS, I believe in, um, yards after the catch as well.
1: He's got good low center of gravity. He's hard to tackle. Nobody's tackling him on the first, uh, on the first attempt. Got good feet, balanced. Um, he's always looking no. for more. He's got short hands, too. You could tell that catching the ball is almost like second nature to him. It's almost, ball skills. yeah, another yeah.
0: great ball skills, catching a crowd. I mean, this is the kind of guy, yeah, he's 5'8, but he's a five. He's in the thick of the weeds.
1: Almost all of his, almost most of his highlights are between the hashes, or, or he's running to them if he gets
0: outside, he catches it outside the numbers. He loves the hashes. Physical Love. dude. Love this kid, and 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 I'd love to have him. I love Rice's kid. There's some good receivers in this draft. I'm just saying, if you know, I want JC Latham or 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 uh,
1: Marius Mims. Or oh, you don't want
0: Mims? Well, I like Mims too, but I'm just saying, I think I think to get any of those guys, you're gonna have to trade up. So, do you want to trade all your picks to move up, or do you want to trade your receiver and then? And then draft that tackle in the middle of the first round, and then you know, maybe draft a couple receivers like this Malik Washington, and maybe one other to try to, re- or maybe go sign a free agent receiver um, that's not making Ayuk money. But I mean, it's just it's intriguing because I, you know, how many years in a row can you can you not address the tackle position? You have to address the tackle position, and to me, I'm surprised that you love uh, Fuaga coach, and not Latham as a Bama guy. Because to me, Latham just seems like just like a guy who's he's so cut heavy. from granite. I mean, yeah, he. I mean, he's he. Well, I mean, I, for people who haven't who haven't seen him before, this guy's 6'6", 335 pounds. And not fat at all. I mean, mm-hmm. he's. This is a. This is the prototype right tackle. I mean, I. I, I like just him. don't. This is my thing, Larry. You don't like. I don't him think he's Fulaga. gonna
1: be there, huh? I don't you like it more. I, like this is my thing Fulaga about Fulaga. Is a
0: brawler, but 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 Latham has got the prototypical body.
1: Yeah. So Latham has the body. All right. Latham's played a lot of football. I just like taking ceiling over what I see now. You know, when we scout these guys, we gotta suppose we're supposed to scout with anticipation, right? Forecast where this guy is gonna be. Right now, JC Latham, at the best, right, that's in my face right now. You're gonna stick him where he needs to be. He's gonna be there for 10 years, right? And I, I get that, right? But you gotta also factor in what does football bring to an offensive lineman that you need that from? Injury, all right, consistency. Can we flip J.C. Latham over to the left side with him being such a polished guy, a plug-and-play guy? You want to get more bang for your buck when you get a guy like that, right? We got Trent Williams leaving. My opinion is to get a guy with ceiling who can give us kind of what you see now out of J.C. Latham, which is rare, right? We got a lineman that's 360, 6'6", and he runs a 4'8". That's freakish. However, if he can't play left tackle, then we just really got a really, really good right tackle. However, we bring in Amarius Mims, maybe Fuaga. Those guys, they're malleable. They're showing traits of what J.C. Latham has done with a shorter body of work and they have a higher ceiling, which means for our our needs, we could possibly switch them to left tackle when Trent Williams walks out the door. So I'm kind of thinking with a little bit of i think it with a little bit of forethought in where we're going to be because we want to grow into this guy, not necessarily be, you know, what's the point of getting a guy the first round? He does his job. Then when it comes time for him to get paid, we got to pay him a crap ton of money. And now we're top heavy. Get a guy that you can get into a position, switch his position. All right. Because that's what we need. All right. And be able to be able to ingest that. I, I just like that better than getting a ready made guy. You know, but J.C. Latham, if we if he was the guy we got, play ball, right? But you know, I'm just forecasting in the future for what we need.
0: You know, it's funny too. I was watching film of offensive line prospects, and I found a sleeper offensive lineman that I think is really good. Talk um, about. and his name's Garrett Greenfield, and he plays for the for the uh, for the South south dakota jackrabbits and he's on a line with another guy that i really like mason mccormick um and let me see if i can share the screen on this because these guys are pretty impressive um can you
1: share can you share their tape
0: yeah i think i can let me see i've got a i've got a video here that i think i could share um let's
1: let's see here hold on no like are we allowed to share this tape off of
0: youtube uh we, we might not, get flagged, Larry. Yeah, we might get flagged.
1: We so might get just, flagged. We
0: we'll, we we'll, we we'll, we won't share it. But basically, yeah, yeah. um, I can share an image of him at least. Yeah, you can. You can. You can sh- see the image. Let me yeah. take a look at his image. But um, yeah. Gotta I mean, they clean
1: these YouTube streets.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, let me get you a good picture of the kid. Uh, let's see. That's a good picture. Okay we'll see if we can share the screen on this one you can see this kid but yeah i mean if you watch this guy really really athletic looking uh player um let's see there it is there he is right there 74 mm-hmm. uh for South Dakota Jackrabbits and you know he's interesting i mean he's like he's if you watch him he's got he's got long arms he's aggressive as hell Uh, He's probably more like a mid round pick, Mm -hmm. but, um, and Mason McCormick is the guard, his guard teammate. Who's also kind of a brawler finisher. I mean, I watched these two guys and these guys just bury people. And of course I didn't watch a lot of South Dakota state this year, but that's a name that to me is kind of intriguing. Um, Garrett Greenfield, you know, who could be there in the middle of the, in, you know, the middle of the draft um so I don't know i mean I it's it, it's risky as hell to try to find a tackle outside the top twenty five history kind of um, you know tells us that. but you know at the same time, um you've got a number of needs and and then and I love iuk and I want to pay iuk, but um then I'm looking at this you know some of these other receivers and I'm thinking, you know what? If the, if, I don't know what kind of pick I would want, but I would if I could get a JC Latham, and you know Michael Mayer from the Raiders. I you know let's say I could get the thirteenth pick, and I could give them Iuke uh, and and let's say Cam Latu, and take Michael Mayer and that thirteenth pick. I could be happy with JC Latham and Michael Mayer, and then go try to replace Ayuk with a couple of picks. Later on in the draft, maybe Maybe you find Rice's kid uh, Maybe you find um, You know, this kid Malik Washington um, Maybe It's Brian Thomas I don't know, I it's I love Ayuk, but I'm not You know, I think the one thing that when you do When you look at personnel and changing over a Roster, you can't fall in love, man You really can't fall in love with these guys
1: Yeah, this is the, um, this is the time where you gotta Disengage and be pragmatic I understand exactly where your head is at right now this is around where you can no, lose your respect you. the season right now. You can lose the season right now by getting too uh, sentimental. So I understand what you're saying. You have to understand where the assets are, what's going to help us in the long run and in the intermediate, um, and then make the decision, right? So I understand that. There's also, uh, you know, for me, um, Lloyd Cushenberry is a free agent. I would imma- is I would he a free not- agent? Yeah. Like I would not mind doing that, man. Like that would be a that would be a huge upgrade. Um 26 years old. Um you know, played in the league for played in the league for multiple games. He started 17 games last year. I mean, coming out of LSU, this guy is strong, fast, consistent, smart, heady. I would love to get Lloyd Cushionberry in here.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a really good, really solid player. I loved him at LSU. Yeah. Um,
1: Andre James is another free agent center that I like out of Oakland. I mean, out of Las Vegas. He's free. I like him as well. Um, And, you know, honestly, if we need kind of like a right guard replacement, kind of like an older guy, if, we, if we're still like all in and we're pushing for it, you know, uh, Kevin Zeitler is also um, available from the Ravens.
0: He's a brawler. You know I've always yeah. loved him. I mean, he's just tough as nails. Yeah.
1: So um, the biggest guys right now, uh, Connor Williams, I feel like he's the best center in the league. I feel like Connor Williams right now, he's the best, not in the league, but he's the best free agent center we have right now. Um, Kevin Dodson uh, over there in LA, the right guard, and uh, Robert Hunt, the right guard for uh, Miami. uh those guys are pretty much out of our reach as far as you know the money that they will be asking for. But Kevin Zeitler, uh, Andre James, and Lloyd Cushionberry, all three of those guys are instant upgrades on our offense. I mean,
0: line. Zeitler would be a culture change too because he's just such a—he's such a, a fighter, you know. Yeah, I, I would love to see their line get a little bit more, you know, a little bit more just brawler types. Mm-hmm. Little, A little less emphasis on athleticism and a little bit more emphasis on toughness. Uh, just because I hate, you know, I love Brendel, but, man, Brendel just got worked against Cincinnati. And the 49er offensive line, I mean, ultimately it comes down to you got to have some tough guys. I, You know, maybe there could be a shift of McKivitts to center. Maybe Zakel could play center. I think Brendel definitely looks like a guy that could be on – on the cut down list they overpaid for Brendel.
1: yeah well that's what i wanted to bring up larry i mean you you had mentioned to me what are some of the guys the original premise was what are some of the guys that are pretty much linchpin guys for us that we would get rid of or we would trade for or or move on from and jake Brendel's top of my list he's the 13th highest paid player on our team um and for that price tag that ain't it We can move on from him. I'd much rather pay a little bit more for some of the guys that I just mentioned who are are free for the interior offensive line. Um, To keep it, I mean, I want to stay offensive line, but there are some other names. I think we would maybe kick the tires on Eric Armstead, see if he could get, uh, see what we can get for him. George Kittle. I don't think George Kittle is a guy that we can let go of because the, the drop off is just so huge. I feel like we haven't noticed this, but. For a while, we've been trying to find a number two tight end, and we just have not had one, all right? I mean, maybe Brent Selick, maybe, but everybody else was, you know, a lovable loser in that category. I um, mean, also, I have – I got to sneak – well, also, Kyle Uschek for obvious reasons, you know, he's the 12th highest paid player on our roster at $7.5 million. He only, He's only utilized 45% of the snaps. I mean, you're making $7 million a year. You're not even used over half the time on the offense. He's a paperweight. You got to get rid of that, but there is somebody who I feel like we can't move off of. It'd be ridiculous too, but I just have not been happy with their production for the price tag. Javon Hargrave.
0: I need more. I don't think he's lived up to the money. What do well, you think? I, I, yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, my only question would be, uh, can you move off of him one year later without there being some kind of costly? Yeah, It would penalty. kill us. It would
1: kill us. His dead cap. Javon Hargrave's dead cap is 33.3 million. There's yeah, no way we bought him. He's maybe. he's good to go. But yeah, I'm just saying, for what it's me. worth, um, you know, that needs to kind of be put out there. Like we go hard on Kyle, we go hard on everybody else, we we rip Chase Young's face off. Deservedly so. But uh he's due to make eight million dollars next year. Okay. And in 2025, he's gonna make 19.9 million dollars. In the last year of his deal, he's due to make 21.6 million dollars. No. No. For what he's been giving us on the first year, there were times during the season where we were asking where he was. Like, are you gonna show up? So, you know, that, that's somebody else who I feel like
0: is kind of getting a free meal. Um, we're gonna play a little game here. I'm gonna put up a little banner so you, everybody can see it, and also so Kev can edit it later. Um, and here it is.
1: Here it is. I see you got that dad face on, so you must you, you're impressed with this.
0: <laughs> Let's play John Lynch. Let's play John Lynch. All right, now we're gonna play John Lynch. I'm just gonna. The Niners have a ton of a ton of free agents. I'm gonna go down the list. -hmm. And I'm gonna keep track, and 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 I when I say I'm gonna keep track, I mean it's not like you know we're tied to this forever. Mm -hmm. It's not not like it's not like your Tannehill take or my Herbert take. These (laughs) are just this is just on this is just on those takes are going to be on our headstones. (laughs) (laughs) Just on this is just a February 24th. Coach LK will go down the list and. Um, and then we'll say who stays, who goes like Mm -hmm. either, either you want the guy back or he's gone. Okay. Here we go. Okay. We'll go down the list. Uh, Chris Conley. What do you, what do you think stays or goes goes. Okay. I'm going to actually say that Chris Conley stays, uh, Ray, Ray. I want T Martin
1: to emerge. That's why.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. I do too. Um, but I think Chris Conley's probably a minimum guy, but we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. Ray, Ray McLeod go goes, I'm going to say he goes as well. Ray, Ray. Bye. Bye. Ray, Ray. Love Ray. Ray. Bye. Bye. Ray, Ray, mm-hmm. uh, JJ, Jawan Jennings, restricted free agent goes, stay. stays stay, stays. Mm-hmm. I say the same. He stays, uh, Ben Barch, offensive lineman stack up offensive lineman stays. Yep. I'm going to say stays as well. Uh, John Feliciano. Go. Feliciano, you have going. I'm going to say goes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Matt Pryor. Stay. Really? Okay. I've got him going for sure. Okay. Okay. A Charlie Warner. Go. I'm going to say stays. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold Go I agree I think I think Darnold probably is going to go uh, Ross Dwelly I think he goes I don't want him to, but I think he goes Yeah, I, I say he goes Brandon Allen I think he stays I think he stays too I I think one of those guys stays and one goes. One and, goes, yeah. And and I and I think I'll tell you, I do have a my next topic and we're gonna get into it. My favorite quarterback sleeper in the draft. Okay. But um but Brandon Allen's gonna gonna stay for me. Sam Darnold's gonna go. All right, that's the offense. Now we'll flip over the card and we'll do the defensive free agents. Randy Gregory. Stay. Okay, I'm going to say he goes. Not because he's bad, just because he's a little... Well, well yeah, road, go. Right? The money.
1: I'm sorry. He made $14 million. He goes.
0: Okay, he goes. He goes. He go! He go. Um, Javon Kinlaw. <laughs> what do you got? He stays. I agree. He stays. I got yeah, him. Yeah, he stay. stays. He stays. Sebastian Joseph Day, you're out of here. He's <laughs> gotta go. He goes. Yeah, he didn't fit. Kevin Givens. I think they find a way to keep Kevin. You're gonna say he stays. Yeah, he's say, a spot yep. guy. I'm gonna say he goes. Yeah. No, um, you know what? He goes too. We need to get younger. He goes. We got to get yeah. young. We can do that in the draft. Yeah, you gotta turn over some of those guys. Chase Young goes. I agree. I think he goes. Um Oren Burks goes. Yep, I say he goes as well. Um Okay, Clee Farrell stays. I agree. I think he, he, even though I really didn't love the pick when they signed him last off season, he I love he, he grew on me too, and also I love the motor. I love his motor. Demetrius <laughs> Flanagan fought fouls. I think it may be time for Demetrius to go,
1: man. We got to elevate uh, D winners and uh, uh, what's that? Uh,
0: Jalen Graham. Jalen Graham.
1: Yeah, yeah. He
0: may he may get up out of here It's time. Tayshon Gibson. Gotta go get goes. I agree. Uh Logan Ryan. Go. I agree. He's gotta go. So um I have the only guys I have staying are Chris Conley, Joan Jennings, who's a restricted free agent, Ben Barch, Charlie Warner. Brandon Allen on offense mm-hmm. Kinlaw on D, Barrel on D, and that's it. You have just JJ Barch uh Pryor mm-hmm. Brandon Allen Kinlaw. Farrell. So yep. we're pretty much almost in a hundred percent lockstep. The only, the only one I I'm saying Conley stays You you have him moving. He's a marginal backup receiver, not significant. You have prior staying. I have him going. He's a marginal backup, mm-hmm. uh, you know, offensive lineman. Other than that, we went through every free agent restricted or unrestricted. And we pretty much agree on every one of them. And Mm -hmm. we only have I only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven guys staying and the rest going. That's a That's a lot of that's a lot of turnover for for the 49ers. But I think it's the smart move. I think it's the right move.
1: Yeah, I I agree as well. We got to get younger. We're we're, you know, I've, I've said this before in 2019 you know, we were the hunters, right? We had that, we, we had the ax to grind and we had to show and prove honestly off of two bad years in 17 and 18. Um, and we caught lightning in the bottle and didn't let it go Went undefeated. And we were kind of like the boogeyman of the league. We were young. Um, <clears throat> a lot of our, uh, a lot of our picks were developing at the right time. Uh, and we just, Blossomed, and we looked like a team where it was just like, man, where are these guys coming from? Like, who's this Fred Warner guy? Don't even know him. Like, who's this Dre Greenlaw guy? Like, these guys have now become household names now. And they're older. And the strength of us, we need to forget. We don't need to forget where we came from. The strength of us was our depth. It was our waves of defensive line. It was our consistent pressure. And being able to play at a certain tempo For four quarters, for 60 minutes. I feel like, in a sense, you've seen that drop off. Even if you look at this year, we won five games in a row. Then we started trailing off with effort. Guys started getting tired. Teams started running on us, and we lost three games in a row, right? We went and got that bye, came back rejuvenated. And then we faced the hottest team in the league, who were the Jacksonville Jaguars at the time. They were coming off of a bye, and we stomped a mud hole in them, going cross country, right? we keep going through. We get all the way to week 18. We get all the way to week 18 and the wheels fall off. We get tired. Quite frankly, we we didn't look the same since Baltimore. right? I was at the Commanders game. We did not look good. We struggled to move the ball on them early in the half. It opened up earlier in the second half, but we obviously were not the same team as far as energy, tempo, and a lot of that doesn't have anything to do with our guys, but it just has everything to do with the process of how we do things, right? Trey Lance's trade, Trey Lance's pick hurt us, right? That's gotta come from somewhere, right? It's gotta come from somewhere. Not having those picks for all of these years hurt us, right? Jair Brown being essentially our first round pick hurt us, all right. We don't have the depth that we that we usually are accustomed to, and we gotta get younger, all also. The draft picks that we do have that are younger, they haven't really been pulling their weight, all right? The tight end room, the Cameron Latu, Braden Willis, they haven't been consistent contributors, right, like we need them to. None of the young linebackers are ready to get on the field on a consistent basis. Drake Jackson, he's in and out, all right? He was gone for the whole year. That's our youth. They got
0: to develop their youth a little bit better and a little faster than they have. Yeah, there's I think, of these guys, I think some of these guys can play to be completely honest. I think Jalen Graham can play. I think Luter and Womack can play, but they've gotta mm-hmm. they gotta somehow get these guys on the field at some point. Yeah. Um you know, yeah, so but,
1: but on a team like ours, where we're more of a veteran team now, where we have guys that are all pro, top two to three at their position, right? You need young guys for we don't need. We can't develop a young guy like we used to develop Dre or Fred, where we can literally give them the reps. They can get out there and play. George, you know what's ironic? The irony of how we play with young people now with young guys now versus how we built our team and how the players respond to the to the growth of the young guys now is hilarious because we wouldn't have known what George Kittle can do who was a who was a a late pick, if he did not get the reps. If he did not play weekend, week out, understand the game. Now, the younger guys we got, we're trying to get development out of them, but there's not enough reps. There's not enough room to get our number one guys ready for a season and develop these guys along the way, especially not enough time that with the CBA that you used to have with boys. These boys barely have a two-a-day. Like, really. Like, Larry, you know this. The two-a-days that they have is lightweight. It's a tea party. So if you look at if you look at where we are as a team now, we need young guys that can contribute immediately. Whatever you do good, that's what you need to do right now because on this team, we don't need you to be we don't need your talent to span across the spectrum of a pro football player. We need you to be good at this right now. That's why Drake Jackson struggled. We took a bit we took a bet on Drake Jackson because what do we bet on? His get off, his pass rush, his athleticism. The run game, all of that stuff, be damned. He still hasn't even brought that up. And then on top of it, getting to the quarterback has been an issue of his. So, I I want us to start drafting guys, drafting guys the way we picked up Fred Warner, looking at a guy with with the anticipation of what he can be. Let's stop drafting guys because Tyler Croft missed the tackle and Brock Purdy got hurt. So all of a sudden we fall in love with Cam Lattu. Like no, go get a prototype that can follow George Kittle. You already have your blueprint of what you need in front of you. So go find those guys in the draft. That's what I'm that's what I feel like I want us to do because the operative question is looking at this draft, what did I ask you before the show, Larry? This draft is going to tell us if we're circling the wagons or if we're all in for a Super Bowl next year. So, we'll see.
0: Well, I mean, they they better be all in on the Super Bowl next year. I mean, if if not, man, Trent Williams is going to lose his s, right? I mean, sir I mean, you got guys in the room there that got so close. I mean, I think as for, as long as Lynch and Shanahan are here, Coach, I think until they win the Super Bowl, they're going to be all in on winning the Super Bowl. You know, every year until they get it done, because if they don't get it done, uh, that's a you know it the regime's going to, you know, could end at some point. So I think they have to be all in. Now, if it gets to the point that Kittle, Bosa, uh, Trent, and these guys are all tired, now that's a different deal. But I would say in the next three to five years, um, they're going to be all in every year, or at least they should be. They should be all in every year. Okay. Um, I got two main questions for you the quarterback room. Let's talk about the quarterback room. Steve Spagnolo came out today or yesterday and said, man, I love Brock Purdy. I, I called Brock Purdy. I told him how impressed I was by him. I saw his, uh, his, his deal with um, uh, Gargano and Baldinger, and basically he was very impressed with Brock Purdy. So Purdy, obviously, the one thing positive that came out of the Super Bowl is that Brock Purdy looked comfortable. Um, which you never know. I mean, there was a chance that the Niners were going to, we talked about it. There's a chance they're going to lose the Super Bowl because of their O line, and they probably did. There's a chance they're going to lose the Super Bowl because their D line can't, and their defense overall can't stand up. Uh, that was a potential issue. It didn't wind up, didn't wound up costing them the game, even though the D gave, gave in a little bit at the end. But I'd say defensively, they held up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a chance that they were going to lose the Super Bowl because Brock, the moment, was going to be too big. And he was going to throw picks, and he was going to be overwhelmed and against a really good defense on a fast surface in that environment. Even Tony Romo talked about it in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. He's like, this moment might be too big for this kid. It wasn't. So Brock, the moment wasn't too big for Brock. So Brock is definitely comes out of the Super Bowl, even though the Niners lost. It was. It's a weird thing. It's like I almost felt like if the Niners lost the Super Bowl, this off was going to be a big discussion about is Brock good enough. But I think that ultimately um, they lost the Super Bowl. But I think most people would say that Brock is good enough. I think one of those two veterans, Brandon Allen or Sam Darnold, is back as his number two guy. I'll mm-hmm. say it's Brandon Allen. Um, but that means there's going to be a third quarterback in the room. And I don't think Sam Darnold's coming back. So mm-hmm. then the question is, who do you want that third quarterback to be? And some people may say, Hey, go get Carson Wentz. He's a free agent, you know, um, which is an intriguing name. Uh, other people may say, no, 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 go, go find somebody in the draft. Heck you found Purdy in the draft. Go If you, if you're, you know, whoever liked Purdy, Maybe go ask him who he likes this time around. Um, oh, you got a Purdy equivalent? Well, I don't have somebody who I think's a Purdy equivalent, but I was watching the. Uh, I did an. I watched an hour long um, video podcast yesterday with Dane Brugler, who's my favorite draft guy, and mm-hmm. Brugler was going through the draft, and he says that um, that JJ McCarthy is going to go in the first round. Yeah, then, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that love J.J. McCarthy. I so like him. Um, Brugler had, and the Niners are, let's be honest about this. The Niners are not going to take a quarterback in the first round or or the second round, probably. But he has Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and J.J. McCarthy. All those four guys going in the first round. And then he has Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Mm -hmm. going in the top 50 picks Mm -hmm. and so basically in the second round. So he's got Mm -hmm. six quarterbacks in the first two rounds of the draft. I think Joe Milton may be in there too. I was going to say, who is that? I mean, it's funny. You say Joe Milton because Joe Milton, I went and, you know, I went through all the quarterbacks. I'm impressed by him. And I'm a big Michael Penix guy, but Penix and he has huge hands they say he's maybe going to the Raiders or Vikings or Falcons in the 40s, which still to me seems really late for Penix. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'll i stay with it. I think Penix for sure is a first-round draft choice. Um, but there's medicals that have to be investigated there. And, and there's medicals that have to be investigated on a number of guys, but <clears throat> definitely Penix. So there's Penix. There's Spencer Rattler. Michael Pratt from Tulane, mm-hmm. Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, Joe Milton from Tennessee, um, Carter Bradley, who's who's Gus Bradley's son, Tua's little bro, Tua's little brother, Talia. Uh, right from Maryland, uh, uh, Michael
1: Ayers from Sanford too.
0: Yeah, there's there's him. There's there's uh, Jack Plummer who was at Cal and transferred to Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other guys. Frank Harris from Texas, San Antonio, Kedon Slovis. I guess the Niners you haven't said have... my Brock Purdy. Uh, you haven't said my Brock Purdy equivalent yet, though. Okay, but Kedon Slovis supposedly the Niners have already met with him. Really? Um, and I I can't stand Kedon Slovis. I didn't like him at a C. I just think he's he's not my guy. But he did. He is kind of Brock Purdy esque in that, um, you know, he completes a high percentage of his passes. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not a key on Slovis guy, but um, I do love. So who? And then there's John uh, John Reese Plumley from Central guy Florida. Uh, there's Tanner Mordecai from Wisconsin. Uh, Brendan Armstrong from NC State. Devin Leary, Kentucky. Devin Leary, that's like my Devin guy. Leary. Devin Leary, Devin Leary well, Devin is Leary, he's very he's my Brock
1: Purdy comp. I I like Devin Leary, man. He's got – he doesn't have necessarily the greatest, like, wow arm, but he's accurate. He throws with a ton of touch. Um, He's athletic. He can get the ball out. Um, I like Devin Leary, and he's consistent. Give Devin Leary a a look when you get a chance. I like – Devin Leary's my
0: guy. To me, the guy that's so impressive is Joe Milton. Joe Milton – Well, Joe is awesome. Joe Milton has to be, I mean, I'd take a flyer on that guy. He's 6'5", 6'6", 235. Um, He's got a huge arm. (laughs) I mean, we're talking about. Country mile. We're we're talking about like almost like. Jamarcus Russell. He's like a carnival. Like Like a guy that, you know, at a carnival could throw. This guy could throw the ball like 100 yards in the air, but then he can also throw it on the run. He can and he celebrate. runs a 4 6. Yeah, I mean, he's a great, he's a big time athlete. Now he's moved around. He was at Michigan. He transferred to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy can throw the, the deep out from the far hash and just stick it in there like nobody ever has. I mean, this, this is one of the great arms of the game. And,
1: and he played nine games through 10 TDs and had no picks in 2022. All right, and then he backed it right back up. He got hurt in 2022, and then in 23, he threw 20 TDs for five picks for 2,800 yards, 64% completion rating. I mean, this kid has a gun. I mean, if you want a quarterback where the secondary has to cover literally every blade of grass, this kid is a threat just being on the field.
0: This year, he completed 65%, 20 touchdowns, five picks. Uh, he was sacked 16 times, but he had a 147.3 rating um, for Tennessee, and they—they've, you know, they got a pretty good runner in Jalen Wright as well, and Jabari Small. They're both in this draft, both good running backs. Um, I, you know, as far as their receivers, you know, I don't know how great their receivers are. Tennessee usually has great receivers, but I, I think Joe Milton the third is a sleeper pick. Now uh, he's a Florida kid went to Michigan, transferred to Tennessee as I said um, but I, I you know I I think he's probably gonna go probably fourth round, something like that. Um, and he didn't you know he, he only played really one year at Michigan and he was there 18, 19 and 20, but he only threw he only had you know 11 pass attempts in the first two years. but his uh, completion percentage has jumped. Almost every year. Um, he, you know, 10 touchdowns, no picks last year, 20 touchdowns, five picks this year. So, I mean, if you just go what he did at Tennessee, we're talking about 32 touchdowns and five interceptions in three seasons. Mm. It's not bad. That's not bad. Um, and he's been sacked 16 times this year. Now, but, I will um, say
1: this I will say this about him like he's got a plus arm and he's got a, one of the thing about his plus arm is he's got beautiful deep ball accuracy you know what i'm saying throwing the ball a country mile doesn't mean anything if you can't give your guy a chance to catch it um he's obviously athletic but my thing about him is that in today's nfl you do have to be a little bit of a point guard you got to be able to get the ball out quick and be able to get it to short intermediate passes and be athletic i mean i mean and be accurate with those passes The only thing about him is that when I do watch him, I don't see much quick processing. All right. Where he's going from read to read. And I don't necessarily see any type of short, accurate throws where he layers anything. So I see a lot of wow out of him, but I don't see any like day to day. And, you know, with quarterbacks, everything is about mastering the mundane. Um, And uh, we learned that with Trey. There were so many plus things about Trey, but. It was the little things. It was the routine, consistent things that keep the sticks driving. So I will say I haven't seen that from Joe Milton.
0: No, I know. I mean, it's a, it's a projection. It's a projection because his, his ability is in his crazy arm strength, uh, inexperience, um, you know, this guy, but the got the abilities there. I just, I would say this, you have your starter and you have your solid backup relief pitcher. If I'm going to take a third spot on the roster, I want to take a big swing at somebody who could be a great quarterback. Why? Because if you, um, if you take a big swing and he winds up being a great quarterback, look what you can trade him for. I mean, if, you, if Joe Milton came out and looked great, and with the Niners' weapons and an improved offensive line, he might look great. Look at how many teams might be willing to line up to give you, um, you know, maybe multiple first-round picks. I mean, just I'm just saying. Let's just say you played a a five-game stretch, and Brock Purdy got hurt, mm-hmm. and you went to Joe Milton, and Joe Milton came off the bench and played great ball for you. Uh, I mean, that would give that would give the team tremendous uh, a tremendous asset. And I'm just looking at, at that going, you know what, Joe Milton. And I, you know, I've heard him interviewed. Um, he's, he's got a great team attitude. You know, he's a team, he's very much a team guy. Uh, you know, my buddies who, who have been in Knoxville say he's the leader that, that, you know, that this guy is absolutely the Vols leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know what, that he would be the guy that I would go for. And even if I had to, you know, even if it was a high day three pick, you know, fourth round, fifth round, um, I'd rather move some picks around, get an extra pick and go draft Joe Milton than, um, than just sign another veteran. Uh, I'd like to see them. I'd really like to see them go for somebody high end as just a backup and take a flyer because, you know, I mean, even, even Trey Lance, um, even though he had struggled. They still got a fourth round pick for him. Now they invested three ones for him. So it wasn't good, but this would be the opposite of that. This would be, inst- I think there's a chance that they invested three ones in, in Trey and got a fourth. I think this is the opposite. I think this is the kind of guy you might be able to invest a fourth and get two ones. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Coming back in, in a couple of years. So um, I love Joe Milton in this class. Now, Carter Bradley's intriguing to me. There's a few other guys. I definitely think you I would go for the rookie over the veteran but that's my guy Joe Milton if they can get to the they could get Milton in the 4th or 5th round that would be exciting as hell uh to see what this kid could look like in Shanahan's offense uh with you all You know who else left. is a
1: sneaky guy um that I would like to see that um kind of falls in the same ilk because this is what we have to do uh, Joe Milton is awesome I believe that in a vacuum but Joe Milton does not fit the 49ers, right? We've seen the athletic quarterback be He's kind
0: of like, he reminds me a little bit of Kaepernick in that he's doesn't throw with tons of touch, but the arm strength is off the chain. And and then you don't think of him as a runner because he's huge. But then you well, start watching him run and you're like, wait a second. This guy's got running ability as well. I mean, this this is a major, major talent. Okay, and I understand that,
1: but I don't trust Kyle with major, major talents. Um, I, th- I think Kyle needs somebody that we got to understand who we're dealing with here. I think Kyle wants to deal with somebody that can actually utilize his offense because I don't see Kyle getting Joe Milton comfortable. I see Kyle getting faith in Joe Milton if Joe Milton can exercise his, his scheme the right way. That's why I would go to this quarterback. How about Jordan Travis from Florida State? All right. Recently, had been injured before. Has low interceptions. Knows how to lead his team, and he gets the ball out really quick. He's also kind of a little bit more of a of a uptick athletically from Brock Purdy. The only reason that the only thing now, mind you, me and you both like Joe Milton. We both went in, but what changed my mind is the moment you said, "If Brock Purdy goes down, wouldn't you want Joe Milton to come in?" And my immediate answer in my head was. Hell no, because that's asking Kyle to do what he doesn't do. And that's adjust on the fly, call a whole different game plan, know how to get Joe Milton ready based off of what he's seen in practice, the little reps he does have because he's not starting. And that's just not the way our football team is ran. We know that the ones get the majority of the reps. If you are a three or a two on this team, you got fight like hell to get an, get an opportunity or somebody's going to get hurt. So if – Brock Purdy was going down. What would I want to come on the field? Another Brock Purdy or close to it. So Kyle can keep calling the same plays so he can stay in the same scheme because the offense is about Kyle, okay? That's why Brock is so special. He's able to spin whatever Kyle puts out into gold, right? That's why we're, this is the Niners way now. We got to get quarterbacks to know how to translate what Kyle wants. I like Jordan Travis if we were going to do that. I don't want another quarterback on the team that's a completely different skill set from what we already have starting because you do see that on teams, right? You see the mobile quarterback where the pocket passer may be the starter and the mobile quarterback may be the backup because not only is he a change of pace, but if they played, if he was to go down, now the game plan is out anyway for our old quarterback. We'll just come in with this package and run with this. That's traditional, but that's not what we do. If we have a back we we saw what our happens what we saw what happens with our team when quarterbacks get hurt. Go back to Philly. Brock got hurt. We called the same exact stuff. For, we called the same exact stuff for the backup quarterback to come in. Like Kyle is not changing.
0: All right. So but I want a quarterback I, here's, here's that looks like one. Brock. Here's the one thing I don't need. I don't need him to look like Brock. I need him to well, play. not literally look like Brock, I, but have
1: the same skill set rather.
0: But the, th- the one thing about Brock that 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 people don't realize is that he's got high level mobility. Mm-hmm. He really does. So, um, like I look at Brandon Allen as a, a, just a stopgap. Like, like okay, Brock goes out of the game. It's the mid fourth quarter. You need someone to come off the bench and and finish the game. That's it. You need you need Brock's out for one game. You need someone to start one game. That's the guy. But I if 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 uh, Brock went down for half the season, I'd feel much more comfortable with Sam Darnold than Brandon Allen. Why? Because Sam Darnold has bigger stature. He there's more things you can do with him. He's just a bigger talent than Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen, I think, is is probably a better relief pitcher off the bench. I'm just looking at Joe Milton, and I'm saying, if Brock were down for any period of time, who could who could I put in there that could actually really do
1: something? Arm,
0: yeah. I, I think that. Joe's the guy. The other thing is, if you go and I, I did the deep dive on the guy. The guy is a unique guy. I mean, he has. It's taken him a while to harness his immense physical ability, but you're also talking about a kid who's the oldest of seven children. So he's kind of been kind of the adult in his family for a long time. He's also Anquan Bolden's cousin. Of course, Bolden played for the Niners. Pedigree. Um, He's also really, really mature kid. This kid's already graduated with a bachelor's degree uh, from the University of Michigan in 2021. And now he's working on a second bachelor's degree at Tennessee in a totally different field. So, you know, uh, he's just, a, he's a very mature kid. He moved uh, to Orlando, uh, from, uh, from where he was living for his freshman year of high school. Uh, he was roommates with Hendon Hooker for a couple of years at, at, uh, Tennessee. And, and he's just, you know, you hear him interviewed, you can kind of tell that this, you know, it's been, he's already kind of been examined and and studied and, you know, been, he's felt the scrutiny because he's such a crazy athlete. Uh, and Michigan was such a big, big spot, you know, to be. And then, you know, this kid's played. The other thing is this kid's played in two big conferences, the big 10 and the sec. And when you can play in the big house and in Knoxville, those are just, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, a hundred thousand plus people in those places, um, I, I I just think there's a lot of proven uh, elements to Joe Milton, so we'll see. We'll see where he goes, but I I'm looking at the 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 draft breakdown, and they have him listed as the tenth quarterback in the draft. Uh, Caleb one, Drake May two, Jaden Daniels three, Penix four, Bo Nix five, J.J. McCarthy six. This is the one list. One other list, I see McCarthy in front of Penix and Nix.
1: Mm -hmm. Then
0: there is seven is another guy that is really intriguing to me. The MVP of the senior bowl was Spencer Rattler, who, you know, was at Oklahoma, then transferred to South Carolina. He's pretty freaking athletic at six feet, 215 pounds, very athletic kid. Um, And he's I kind of like what I saw from him in the bowl game or in the uh, in the uh, all star game. Then there's maturity
1: issues, though. I've been hearing like you've heard some off field stuff about Spencer Rattler. That's not okay. too, not good. Uh, yeah.
0: Then there's Michael Pratt from Tulane, who I think is pretty decent. You mentioned Jordan Travis, then Joe Milton, then Sam Hartman, then Devin Leary, then Carter Bradley, who I kind of like from okay. South Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, then Austin Reed from Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky. then Talia Tagavialoa, who's only 5'10", from Crazy. Maryland. There's Phil Jerkovic from Pitt, Brendan Armstrong from NC State. So and then he goes down the list, and Kedon Slovis is down at 24. Um, Jesus. and Not a big Kedon guy. But But Milton, to me, is intriguing. And to me, that is the kind of pick that you could make and go, what? Joe Milton fell to the fourth round? I mean, 150 means the, I think, what, uh, what 30 one through 30 is the first round, one through 65 is the second round, one through a hundred is the third round. So we're talking about like fourth, fifth round for Joe Milton. Mm. He's six five, two
1: forty. I mean, he's he's a house. I just, you know, I just don't want him see him. I just don't want to see him
0: running quarterback power
1: <laughs> over no, and over I again.
0: You. I hear you, but it but that is the kind of mid round pick that would make me go, fuck yeah. That's an amazing. Yeah, that a is a, that draft. is a
1: that is a kind of like that's a nut
0: grabber pick. Like it's like, you know it's what? A, we're it's, a yeah, it's a home run swing It's a home run swing in the middle of the draft, you know? Um but all right, um I'm coaching baseball so I got a jet, but let, right. let's finish with one we, we let's go supers after we hit one last question. I threw this to Chase Senior. It's my it's my Holy Trinity Niner topic. Give me your I want 3 names three names. Okay. Your DC pick your number one choice for DC. Okay. Your number one choice for the pick at 31 and your number one choice for the free agent signing. Um, You know, the Niners usually come up with one big free agent signing. At least they have the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to alter my, I'm going to alter mine from what I said to chase senior yesterday I went, I went with one first round pick. I'm going to switch up my first, my, I went with one uh, free agent. I'm going to switch that up, but Mm -hmm. DC first round pick one free agent. Who are your three guys?
1: All right. For the DC. uh, I would go with Mike Vrabel. I think that the fact that he's a linebackers coach um, by trade, he actually played the game. Um, which is what we need. I feel like with Salah and D'Amico being there, Um, and also I feel like he would bring a sense of calm to the sidelines. Where I've had the opportunity to see his bedside manner on how he is on the sidelines, and he 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 brings forth that that player, that rah rah player, but it's more from a responsibility standpoint. He's gonna look a play. He's gonna look Chase Young in the eye and say, "What the hell are you doing?" what are you doing? That's not enough. Mike Vrabel is going to say that. And you're not going to have to ask him during this, during a press conference. You're going to be able to see it visibly happening on the sidelines, right? I feel like there needs to be a different voice who is just ignorant enough to not care about the culture because he's vetted enough and has enough cachet to say, I'm Mike fucking Vrabel. I play linebacker. I don't care who you are. I played linebacker in the NFL for over a decade, played with one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and got multiple rings to show for it, right? I've turned guys into all pros, you know? So you guys forget, Mike Vrabel was the linebacker's coach with the Houston Texans when Jadavian Clowney first came into the league. And Jadavian Clowney was all-world. Mike Vrabel was the first guy to chew him in the dust and let him know he wasn't what he thought he was. I remember that, letting him know, you got picked too high, kid. We need that type of responsibility on our sidelines. I feel like it'll break through the inertia of keeping guys, of guys slowing down, some of the effort issues, what we expect. And also, you know, iron sharpens iron. Like him being the DC and literally being over what I, in my opinion, which is kind of like the best group on our defense consistently, which is our linebackers, I think we would need a guy like him to get a younger guy, I wouldn't mind Mike Vrabel putting in a call for a young linebacker that he believes in in the draft. i take that pick, right? i take Mike Vrabel being on top of Jalen Graham and D winners and turning them into what they need to be and them being in their second league and understanding that Mike Vrabel is looking at them like the rookie still. Like, no, you need to be better. So I want Mike Vrabel. And then also, I think that, he would rub off on a lot of people. I think there's a lot of there's some immaturity and some things that just isn't in his way of in his way of handling business where people would kind of play the act in front of him because he is that serious of a man. I I would like my Babel. Um, for my pick, Amarius Mims, of course. If he falls to us, uh, I would love to get him at thirty one. Um, if we can't get him at thirty one. I would take Zach Frazier out of uh I would take Zach Frazier out of West Virginia. If not Zach Frazier out of West Virginia, gotta go with Graham Barton. And only reason why I like Graham Barton is because Graham Barton can actually play center guard and tackle. So you kind of get more bang for your buck with Graham Barton. Um the last question was number one free agent. Number one free agent that I would get. Um uh if I couldn't, if I had to. Lloyd Christian, Cush- Lloyd Cushenberry. Okay. I'd love to get Lloyd. I think, um, moving Jake Brindle off that moving Jake Brindle off of that contract and putting in like a stout guy that's athletic that can run and he's not going to get bull rushed. Um, I think Lloyd would be a great addition to our offensive line. All
0: right. I'm going with, so you got Vrabel as your DC, Amarius Mims and Lloyd Cushionberry. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Those are your three. I'm going, I'm going to go, I'm going to stay with my Bill Belichick. You want Bill? I'm going to, I want Bill as the DC. I'd be happy with Gus Bradley, but I want Bill. Um, my draft pick. I, the more I look at the draft, the more I'm falling in love with the defensive tackles. And I just, the more I look at the Niners, I'm thinking, you know what? Kinlaw's no slam dunk to return. Givens is no slam dunk to return. Uh, Armstead is old with foot and ankle issues and knee problems. You just mentioned you'd love to cut Javon Hargrave. I'm kind of right there with you. So I don't see a lot of there there in the middle of that defense. And so I'm going to go defensive line in uh, in for the next two here i'm I, you know and i and i do like you know especially after i watch that kid greenfield and i like Ladarius Henderson and i like um you know i i love Christian uh, Jones from uh, Texas and i love Henderson from Michigan and i love Javon Foster from Missouri and i love this kid Greenfield so i'm going to go defensive line and you know, there's there's a couple guys I really, really love. Um, I, I really, really love um, Darius Robinson, the the defensive lineman. And that's who I went with yesterday. Darius Robinson from Missouri, 295. He had eight and a half sacks. He was the practice player of the week award winner uh, at in Mobile this year. Love him. Love Chris Jenkins, who was on the Bruce Feldman freaks list. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he only had two and a half sacks and I, he gets moved. I mean, he's like a little bit more like Mozzie Smith. He's a little bit more of these like workout warrior that doesn't quite produce very much. So that kind of worries me, uh, ask Dallas fans about Mozzie this year. And then I love Tavondre sweat, but I just, you know, I don't know that you can have an interior guy that gives you no pass rush and Tavondre sweat doesn't give you tons. Right. Um, the, the other guy, the other Texas kid, Murphy, Byron, Murphy. I, love, I like Murphy. I really like he's, Byron Murphy, but I, I think it's unrealistic to think that he's going to fall to 31. I think he's probably mid first round pick, so I can't have him. I can't, I can't project somebody who's projected to go 15 to 17 for 31. I mean, I, I could, but I mean, it's just, you know, why bother? Can't have so, that
1: many dummies. Like, yeah, somebody's I mean, gonna exactly. wise up.
0: Somebody's gonna be like, what? No. Um, <laughs> exactly. So I, I the guy that I love, the more that I study him, and I you know, and I I do love Michael Hall from Ohio State, you know, but he, he wore fifty he wears fifty-one. Uh he's six two, two ninety. And you know, he's more of a movement guy. I think he could get kind of engulfed by some of the bigger guys inside i think they really need they need a big-bodied guy in you know what do the niners need they need fucking chris jones that's what they need yeah right right, right. what do the niners need to buckner that's what we yeah. need right like they need a, a big-bodied guy they need a big bodied guy who's a menace against both the run and the pass so like I, I love sweat against the the run but i don't love him against the pass i i, I love michael hall uh, and ha- his activity, but I, I I don't love him against the run. Yeah. Um, so I got to get a guy that I Specialist love. Specialist football the
1: gets you, man. Specialist yeah. football kills you because now the you guy- got all of these guys that are good at this one thing, but when it comes to the league, you need we need more, man. We need you to be good at everything.
0: He there's a guy who Tankathon has at 68 in their draft, and I would take him literally at 31. His name's Rook Arorho Auroro. And it, it's spelled O R H O R H O R O O O-R- R. Yeah, Rook. Aurora, Aurora, Hororo, Horo. Spell the first name. R U K E Rook. First name. Uh-huh. Second name is O R H O R H O
1: R O. Rook. Aurora. Aurora. Six four two ninety out of Clemson. Oh, Nigerian, but he's from
0: Niger. Legos, and this guy is freaky. He wore 33 for them, but he go watch his film and watch this guy's movement, ability, strength, um, pass rush, run stuffer plays with leverage. This guy, by the time the draft rolls around, they're going to be, he. as I said, they're talking about him in the 50s and 60s right now. He's going to work, work his way up to, you know, high second round, late first. Rook, Aurora, Aurora. And I may be butchering that name as far as how I'm saying it, but it's O-R-H-O-R-H-O-R-O. <laughs> and he's just monster. So he's my, he's my draft choice. And then, um, you know, I, my, my buddy Kyle Posey, do you read Kyle Posey at all in, uh, in Niners Nation? yeah do you know Kyle at all uh um, yes
1: I have I've, I've been I haven't had the chance to like formally I formally introduced myself but I'm trying to get correspondence with him as we speak
0: yeah he really I you know you'll hear him sometimes on the calls he lives in Arizona he coaches high school football down there um and I've done a bunch of stuff with him but he had a whole thing on Bryce Huff and you know what the more I watch Bryce Huff, the more I think, you know, I was yesterday. I said Brian Burns, but Brian Burns is going to cost so much. Brian Burns wants money like Bosa money, and he ain't I getting that. He's been trying to get that for a while. He's not. He's getting been that trying anymore. to get it for a while. But Bryce Huff is really something, man. Um, and especially if they wind up with Jeff Ulbrich, you know, the Jets guy. Mm-hmm. I I think Bryce Huff might be the might be a super underrated free agent uh, to get opposite Nick Bosa. I don't know how much you've studied of Bryce Huff, but Bryce Huff, you know, with the Jets this year, just the motor revs really high. Um, he just how is he against he, the run? He's he's not a, he's not as good against the run, but he is just a the guys just. I mean, you know, he, I think he's he's big. He's good enough to. He's two. He's six three, two fifty five. He's only twenty five, uh, so he's kind of a little bit of a late bloomer. They have a bunch of other guys. Um, I just think that when you look at Bryce Huff, you know, he played college ball at Memphis. He's now he's played four years in the NFL, so he's going into his fifth year in the NFL. But he busted out this year. He had two sacks, two sacks, three and a half this year he had 10 and um i just i, I really like him i think he's he's um uh, he's a, the motor is unbelievable he plays with leverage he comes firing off the edge i think the niners miss that d ford speed guy that yeah. and if you look at their division i mean if you i mean if, if you just go back to the super bowl if you could say hey man I, if you could add one player to the niners who would you want to add well i'd want to add a, a rusher who was fast as hell? Because, like, when I watched Mahomes struggle this year, it was against rushers that were fast. And when I look at the division, you got Kyler. When I look at the conference, you got Hertz. When I'm looking at winning the Super Bowl, you got Lamar and you've got Mahomes, Josh Allen. All these guys freaking move great. I don't know that you can get it done with two 275 pound rushers. Now, yeah. I'd love to find Joey Bosa. Um, because really, I think, well, I would, because I think maybe it's injury uh, prone there. I know, but I mean, I wouldn't give, and, and I would want him to, to take less because he is injury prone I mean, he's not going to make the kind of money he's making now, but I like Joey Bosa. If the foot checks out now, I'm a little worried about the foot, to be honest, because he's put on weight and anybody puts on weight and has foot problems, on that foot. Yeah. That's a concern. I, I like, I, I would love to see Joey and Nick together, but and Brian Burns and Nick would be great, but I kind of think Huff might Bryce Huff might be the guy opposite Bosa that would provide that unbelievable speed element that Bradley Beal might provide as well. And there's other guys, but, uh, Drake Jackson, but those would be my three guys. I'd go Bill Belichick, Rook, Aurora, Aurora, and Bryce Huff. Those are, that's my trio. Um, and, and, and once again, people would be like, dude, you got through this thing. Your top free agent isn't an offensive lineman and your top draft pick isn't an offensive lineman. And yet you say offensive line is your number one need. I get it, but, um, you're just being realistic with what you think they'll do. And also I'm just looking at the board the way it plays. And I think the, you know, Rook Roro, Roro is super special. And I don't think he'll be there in the second round and they need a Chris Jones. And I think this kid's a Chris Jones type. He's He's big, strong, fast, and dangerous. So I love those three guys. Um, all right, let's hit some supers. And then mm-hmm. I gotta go coach baseball today. Uh Alan or Alien Djinn. I'm playing our 2024 matchups in Madden. Only three of our 17 opponents are scrubs. The mountain climb is gonna be steep.
1: It's gonna be a tough schedule this year coming up. We got the AFC East and the NFC North this year. So that would be what New England, Buffalo, New England, Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets, and then we got uh, Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, yeah. oh, and uh, right. Detroit. Yeah, yeah. and then tough. we got our next our 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 three off games are the three number one seeds of uh, three random conferences. So I know we got the Chiefs. I know we got Tampa because they won their division. Who's the other team that won their division? Dallas. We got Dallas again.
0: Yep. Dallas won the division. Yeah.
1: So we got Dallas, Tampa, and Kansas City, I believe, plus AFC East, which is Miami, Buffalo, New York Jets, New England, NFC North, which is Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota, and uh, Green Bay. No, uh, Chicago. Chicago. Yep. So that's our schedule.
0: It's always, it's never easy. Nothing's easy. Damon Dickerson says Debo is is in essence the best gadget player ever in the, if this offense is going to take the next step. It can't have a gadget player as a focal point. Mm, that's interesting. I agree with that. Like we got to get traditional like at this at the, at in the Super
1: Bowl. There wasn't where, where were the screens for Debo? Where were the end arounds? Where were the now routes? Where were the tunnel screens? We didn't see any of that. I think we saw Debo get one handoff from the backfield. Did we? In the Super Bowl, I don't think uh, he
0: did. I don't. I don't know if he did. Yeah, I, I don't think this. he did. The guy that reminds me of Debo in this draft is Malachi Corley for yep. Western Kentucky. I mean, they call him the Yak King. The guy runs over defenders. He's got a running back mentality. He's explosively strong. Seventy five percent of his of his uh, carries came or of his uh, catches came within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. Super compact build like that average 9.2 yards uh rack after over the last two years at for the hilltoppers all-time mm-hmm. catch leader for Western Kentucky high character guy um gets to the top of it, of the stem quickly and just makes freakish uh movement runs over people consistently I I, I like Malachi Corley I really do he's not mm-hmm. quite Debo but he's got a lot of the same traits Mm-hmm. Uh, Damon Dickerson, the O is too reliant on scheme; has to mature. Um, what's LNS? I don't know. Damon, what is LNS? What's LNS? What's LNS? Uh, Dale says, what can we get for Mitchell? Not much. Not much. I was, I would say a, maybe a six-round
1: pick. And then, you know what's crazy? We would get maybe a six-round pick, and then they would start his ass and get production.
0: Um, I do love, I'll tell you, you know, I was, I was going through, um, the, the, as I said, last night, the draft, uh, the guy, the running back that I just absolutely, there's a couple running backs in this draft that I really, really love. I haven't even touched them. Cause I know we're not going to draft any, but well, you know, Frank Gore, I love Frank Gore's kid, mm-hmm. but I love all day Ray. Have you seen all day Ray Davis for Kentucky? He's from gotcha. San Francisco. Now, I don't, don't know. back. My favorite position, Ray Davis from they call him All Day Ray for uh, for for University of Kentucky. Study that guy; he is tremendous, tremendous player. And then I kind of like my juice. I'm cutting juice this off season. Me Sorry, too. juice, if you're watching, but I'm replacing him with Isaac Garendo from Louisville, who's a transfer. Um, he he's a full, but he's a he's a one back slash fullback, but he runs in the high four threes. Um, mm. and if you could get to me if you could get rid of juice and get a cheaper guy who could run fast. Now you got something, and Isaac Garrendo is that guy. Um, love Isaac Garrendo. Okay, we got this one from Gregorius Gregg. He says, Um, not sure you covered this, but I love that you two both argue your positions with passion and respect. Thank you for showing the youth how real men. Disagree while remaining friends in public. We need that. We need to see this more. Go Niners. Larry's my guy, bro. Like we we do this, man. It is, but like this is not for the faint of heart.
1: Um, and if you got to check your ego at the door, like if you think that you're bigger than the debate, then you know you can't be here. So, I love mixing it up with Larry. You know, on yeah, to the next. We're,
0: we're good. We're good. You know, the thing about it is, um you have to reach common ground and then mm-hmm. you know what sometimes and i get it there are people that probably saw that the other night and were like you know i don't like they're this done. they're done i, I don't <laughs> like what you're arguing larry i disagree with you or i and i'm never coming back and that's fine i i get it and there might be people that agree with me and you know don't agree with coach and are never mm-hmm. coming back and that's fine mm-hmm. um but ultimately um Coach is being true to who he is. I'm going to be true to who I am. We're going to share our part of the attraction of doing this is that you guys get kind of an unfiltered um, view of of a football bar room discussion. Yeah. So we're not going to put on. We're not on CNN. We're not on ESPN. We're not on major market radio, but guess what? As time goes on, we're going to have a bigger audience than the people that are on in those we got plans. We
1: you know got plans, I mean? man.
0: Um, the last couple of shows that the coach has been on with us, you know, we're talking about 20,000 views. Um, mm-hmm. These radio shows aren't getting 20,000 views. Um, so, and and why is that? Because there's an authenticity to the whole thing that I think the audience craves. And that's just my view of it. I could be wrong, but, uh, coach is authentic. I'm authentic and, uh, we don't pull any punches, but at the end of the day, I have nothing but total respect for coach. I hope he has the same respect. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's why this thing's going to work. And that's why this thing's, that's why we continue to do this because at the end of the day, Coach has got a real job, a real life, a real family. I -hmm. have my channel, of course, is my real job, but I have a family, kids, other concerns. And, um, you know what? We understand that it's a show and that we're, it's not life and death. There is life and death and it's like, this isn't it. So let's just have a little perspective, but at the same time, not so much perspective that it kills all the authenticity and all the fire yeah.
1: and all the drama and all that. Agreed, man. Like I, I ditto, you know, we have been doing this for coming up on a year, Larry. Like summer's coming up. We started, man. So yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I people want... love it. People love it. Yeah. There's and I have hundred that...
0: people in the room right now. I mean, on yeah, a I
1: have a dynamic personality. Either you're really going to like me or you're really going to hate me. And I've been dealing with that forever. You know what I'm saying? And I know that the people that I have in my life, like you can't, I don't suffer fools and you can't be around me unless I dig up under your fingernails. Like I'm going to have a conversation with you where you're going to let me know how you truly feel. Right. And I, I bring that out of you and Larry brings it out of me. So. um What I love is the fact that we're able to fight fairly. You know, it doesn't get disrespectful. We're able to come down off of it and understand exactly where we stand with our points. And at the end of this day, know that in a vacuum, we just made some great fucking content. (laughs) So (laughs) so it is what it is, man. On to the next, man. I mean, And again, we're privileged. We are privileged to be here. We can sit on here and talk to each other all day, but without the chat, without the actual engagement, then we shouldn't be here at all. So it's you guys that force us to be as real as you, as real as we are, because as soon as I push a narrative that is fake or people don't like it, I know I'm going to get it in the chat. I know. So I like it this way.
0: Exactly. And you know what? Um, I used to sign off of every radio show when I used to do the shows alone with Larry Kruger, often wrong, seldom in doubt. See it on see you tomorrow, everybody. You know, and, and it was just my way of trying to say to everybody that the way I do a radio show and I do this the same way, is with total certainty. This is my opinion with total certainty. But at the end of the show, I think the one thing I always wanted to acknowledge to everybody is but I could be wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like um I'm trying to get it right, and I'm going to give you my straight opinion, and it's my honest opinion today. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, uh, it's not concocted. It's not bogus. It's real, but I could be wrong, you know. And um, there you go. And to me, if that's that, that means a big deal because mm-hmm. if you can't say, I could be wrong, I don't know that I want to debate people like that because then you're so, and the word for that is entrenched and dialogue. Like, like I think there are people that will put things in the chat that will make me change my opinion on a player because I feel like they're, they understand that player better than me. There's Mm -hmm. times where I will sell, I will say something on the show and I'll see people in the chat. You know what? You've convinced me Krug. I now like that player. It's literally
1: happened between us where we've come in on a premise and you've come in on one side, I've come in on the other. And as you give me your points with new information, I change mine. Like, you know what, Larry, I understand where you're coming from. You know, one thing about this space that's very, very uh, noticeable is content creators who elevate the conversation and content creators who try to police the conversation where they're constantly telling you not to listen to somebody somebody's wrong somebody doesn't know what they're talking about i have the real story and the truth of the matter is is that the the information that we all have is open source nobody has an inside leg more than the other and it's it's really our job quite honestly to give our points but also make the situations that the fans see malleable so they can have a platform to speak their mind as well. So if we're not having engagement, then we're literally just blow, we're hearts, just talking to ourselves. So it's literally about having the conversation.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Um, Where are we on this chat? Okay. We got this one here. Damon Dickerson, if Keon Coleman from Florida State falls to twenty, do the Niners move up, you know, he's super intriguing because the the catch radius is massive. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a big guy who can sky for the ball and scoop it off the turf. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, a guy like that's really intriguing and um, I like him. I like other receivers a little bit more, but, um, you know, the one thing about the one thing I know from scouting is. Take take a look at everybody, and then when you get to some of these schools like Georgia, LSU, Bama, Florida State, go take a second look. Yeah, go take a second look because there, there are guys you know there who can play yep. who didn't play, like Robert Beal Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, and others. Um, and and that, you also got to uh,
1: understand. Sorry to cut in, Larry, but with those big schools. There's a lot of marketing with those schools too. These guys are, there's a lot to make sure that these guys look good. Okay. So they get more reps than usual. They don't ask to, they don't get asked to block on certain run plays. You really got to highlight films can fool you, man. You really got to watch full t- tape of the kid and understand the context of how he's attacking the game
0: because uh, the big schools can fool you, man. The big names. Yeah. That's, it's well said. You know, the thing about it too, I'll tell you, you know, it's so funny. You said highlight f- rule highlight films can fool you. You know whose highlight film absolutely fooled me. Who got you? Hakeem Butler, who was an Iowa State wide receiver. If you watched the highlight reel, mm-hmm. it was awesome. But yeah. if you watched him, he fought the ball. If you watched him in the games, so to me, it's like go go check out the go check out the highlight film, but then go check out the game log because if 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 at least you gotta know if that highlight film is just you know five amazing catches and the guy wasn't that good, or you know, does he have the production? If he has the highlights and the production, then I'm there. But if you just have the highlights like Akeem Butler had, he had tons of drops, and you don't guess what? They'd edit those off the highlight film. So then you watch him and you're like, this guy's not even in the league. I was so wrong. I thought that guy was gonna be like a third round pick and be the super special receiver. His highlight reel was awesome, but his highlight reel was just that—a highlight reel. Yeah, you know who who got me? Caleb
1: Farley, the cornerback yeah. from Virginia Tech.
0: He had some physical issues too, right? Didn't he have some injuries? Yeah, he had some. He had a torn ACL. And here's another guy. His highlight reel was My
1: spectacular. God. His highlight yeah. film was through the roof. Caleb Farley got me. I was like, "Oh, this guy is the next Dion." Yeah, and nah, it
0: didn't work out. No, nope. didn't work out. Uh, Laura Taylor says, "I'm, I'm off thinking Jason Kelsey would be a good center since he's thinking retirement because of all the issues with the Eagles. He seems super unhappy. Now mm. he's, he's gonna be on TV. He's gonna be on TV." Yeah. Hell of a player though, man. Hell of a player. Any
1: way that you can transition NFL money into real life money, you gotta take it right away because that's your golden parachute. That's the biggest issue for most of these players is transitioning into the same lifestyle and the money that they're used to living. So once you get that opportunity, and even if you're halfway, even a, a grain of salt thinking about retiring, take it. Unless you're Tom Brady or John Lynch, where people will wait for you, but If your persona and your cachet has risen to a level where people want to hear what you have to say and you can get into that rare. I think we see these guys so often we don't understand just how rare it is to be a former athlete in sports media, especially in television. It is so rare to pull one of those gigs. You got to take it.
0: Yeah, no question. You got to strike when the iron's hot. And right now for the Kelsey's, the iron's hot. Thank you, Taylor Swift. Gammon Brown, uh, question: Can vegans eat animal crackers? <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. Stephen Pryor, does the current cap figure include uh, the 30 million rollover from the 2023 season? No, it does no. not. It's we're coming. looking at
1: like maybe 40 to 50 million. 50 million.
0: Yeah, we're looking at a nice over.
1: cap. Yeah, we're yep. looking at a nice cap. By the time it's all said and done, we're looking at it like anywhere from 30 to 40 million dollars in cap over. So we're yeah. looking okay.
0: And that's before, you know, if they decide they want to cut Brendel and cut pivots mm-hmm. and that's cut, after all of the shift you know, shifting. Yep. Six, six or seven other guys and they probably were that's
1: why I feel that, that's uh that's why I feel uh um that's what I, I, I feel about BA. Like it's gotta work. The money's there. Yeah, if, if if it doesn't if work, it, they didn't
0: agree. Something happened. Well, and, and and it's just like a theoretical thing. Do you want to have, in theory, fifty million dollars tied to two wide receivers, and then it might be, I, you know, and we'll see. I mean, this is a very volatile situation. You get two high, high, you know, high paid receivers. Um, do you want them, or do you want to move one of them? And you can get more in a trade right now for Ayuk, but doesn't mean that he would be the guy that you would trade. And
1: then, and then, you know, not to be honest with you, it's it's 50 million at the least because right. Debo's got 28 We know that BA's looking at the floor of 25 and forgetting we're forgetting that we got to pay Juwan.
0: Right. So, I mean, you're talking about maybe 60 million dollars of your cap and wide receivers that might be too rich for their blood. And then, as I said, I really like this, this uh, wide receiver um, that I just watched and and from Virginia. Uh, Malik Washington, and I love R- Steven Rice, and I love uh, Luke McCaffrey or Brendan Rice, I should say. I love Luke McCaffrey. There's some interesting free agents out there. So, you know, this is this. I'll say this. There's going to be a couple of moves. You guys all know it's true. There's going to be a couple of moves that make you go, What? I can't believe that. It never plays out just. According to the script, there's always like some whoa, didn't see that coming, so we'll see. Uh, Tommy Huxley says, Brendel is booty. Stephen Pryor says, Does the current reported cap figure know that? Okay, I hit that one. Um, we got this one from Ole Kiao, X Ram quarterback for QB2, not Wentz, but Stetson Bennett. Uh, you'd have they to just trade got for him. him. Yeah, yeah, he's on a rookie deal. He he's he's not a free agent. Uh, Mon Green, Eggcorn, His silence is deafening on the defensive coordinator hunt. Only Tim Kawakami came in on an internal gossip and cold press day Friday. Larry and Coach, this is is this telling for a big hire or a Giants big name disappointment? Thoughts as of Saturday, Brandon Staley. Um, this was I a would- perfect comment because
1: that's exactly what it is. It's either a big name. That that they Larry brought this up. I don't want to step on you, Larry, but Larry brought this up before the show. Larry said that it makes you think that the Niners are gearing up for a big name because they didn't want to bury it on a Friday. Right. So right. there could be that. But there also could be they're just resting on their heels and just, you know, they already know it's Nick, they already know it's Sorensen. Or they already know, you know, it's an internal guy.
0: I think that Tim may have talked to some, Tim Kawakami may have talked to somebody who said, Hey man, it's probably going to happen before the combine, which makes perfect sense. Hmm. The combine, I believe starts next week. Is that right?
1: Okay. Yeah. Next week.
0: Think yeah. 29th. We're already a week down next week. Yeah. We're like five days from now. The combine starts. So, um, or maybe even sooner. Um, so I don't know that he was saying anything that was really A revelation he just he just looking at the calendar going oh it's going to happen soon Mm -hmm. um and soon is kind of relative i mean i don't know i'm not saying that tim doesn't have sources but soon could be anytime but i would say monday or tuesday would probably be the day my read on it is this um the only other comment was mike silver who said his league sources says they're talking to a lot of guys internally See, I think they've offered the job to Belichick. Okay. And I think when you've offered the job to Bill Belichick, you can't be calling around the league for guy two, guy three, mm-hmm. guy four. Because mm-hmm. he so is the all- league. They'll know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and then it's like, hey, don't do, you know, do you want me or do you want me at your price? I think if you're gonna go to Belichick, you you have to say we want you at a big price, and we're gonna give you, you know, lots of Lots of say and lots of control and lots of money. And you know, I, I don't mean, think eric you... stay. Does does holland's does uh Holland
1: stay? Like, yeah, I mean Belichick comes in. I don't see it. one thing that I've noticed about Coach Belichick, he and Kyle are in the same ilk of they hire their guys, ex players, yeah. ex guys that have been with him for years. I just don't see him, you know, taking on guys. I don't see it right.
0: Yeah, well, unless he has a respect for Johnny Holland and a respect for Chris, we don't know how he feels about those guys, but you're right. I mean, we don't know what scheme he would run. He's run multiple schemes, they are like, they, that's his scheme. They never run anything vanilla. As a matter of fact,
1: Bill Belichick is almost kind of like the Kyle Shanahan of defense, where he doesn't necessarily have a scheme, he has certain archetypes of players that he loves the draft so they can be used for situations. But on any other day, man, I seen Bill Belichick in three, three, five. I seen him in four, two, five. I seen him in four, four bear. He doesn't, he's, he doesn't discriminate, discriminate at
0: all. He'll run no, anything. He, he's a genius. He plays yeah. through the talent that he has. I'll say this too. If the Niners get Belichick, I think Kyle Duggar is going to wind up here in free agency that if mm-hmm. they don't franchise them, they could still franchise them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the silence that you're hearing is I think they've offered the, this is my, just by my belief. I believe based on, and this is not sourced. This is because I'm not, I have no sources here. This is just reading this, the what's going on and, and the whole situation for bill, for the Niners, for their staff, for where they're at. Their staff has some good young coaches but they're too young to replace Steve Wilkes. Mm. You know, you're not going to just say here, you've never been a defensive coordinator before. Get in there. They need a big-time hire here. I really believe that they offer the job to Belichick and that they're interviewing all of their internal candidates right now because that's the only thing that you can do when you've got an offer out to somebody like Belichick. You can't really be interviewing Olbrich and Bradley and all these other guys. It's bad for him. Yeah, and it's disrespectful to Bill. It's like you have to be like, Bill, you're our first, second, third, and fourth choice. Yeah, we wouldn't
1: disrespect you. We know because the elephant in the room is is that you're taking kind of a lesser
0: position than what you're used to.
1: So you got to
0: come in with that respect. You have to. So I think the silence is about an offer to Bill. And now they're just in and, and the silver report of they're interviewing their own guys. is just what you do to fill until Bill says, yeah, I'm going to do it. Or Bill says, I'm not going to do it. But like I had Peter, uh, I listened to Peter King the other day. I was going to say, I had him on cause I talked to him as well a few weeks back, but I actually listened to Peter King with dibs and Willard and Peter King said, I wouldn't doubt for a minute that Kyle has called bill and offered him the job. Um, when I heard Peter King say that, I thought to myself, "Okay, if that is indeed the case, and that was my read weeks ago as well, don't you have to give him then time to decide if he wants to do it or not?" And I think that's what this is. That's what's going on right now. I think they've. I think they've offered him the job, and they, you know, privately, and, and they're waiting they, to hear back. And they and they don't, don't want to they don't want it to leak and they'll deny it. If he turns it down, that would be my guess. If he turns it down, he will, you know, they won't be like, yeah, we tried to get him and failed. It will be like, yeah, we didn't offer it to him. So I, I think it's, it's, it's not going to be one of these. They tried to get him and he said, no, it's going to be, nobody tells the Niners. No, we
1: always find out later on after the fact through the grapevine, Finally, through a source, maybe a bottle that comes on shore, they said no. The Niners never. Niners are always the people that turn somebody down. We turned down Tom Brady. Now we're right. going to turn down Bill Belichick. It's always the Niners.
0: They they just don't. It's the perception. They don't want to lose the perception game. And also, I don't think they want the next guy. Let's say let's say they offer it to Bill, and Bill says, "You know what? I really really thought about it, and even though it's the best job I could possibly get next year." I'm going to say no because I'm just going to say no. And then well, they want to
1: keep it secret cuz what if it's somebody else? What if it's Mike Vrabel? Or what if yeah, it's Pete okay. Carroll? Or what, what if it's yeah, Gus Bradley? And they're like
0: somebody, I want you
1: yeah, already asked Bill. Go you know I'm you know what do you need me for? Well, and
0: nobody wants to be like, you know, third or fourth choice.
1: Yeah, I mean nobody, you know. On top of mean, on top of what they did to Wilkes. It's like, well, you guys kind of showing the leash that you had for Coordinators that don't necessarily get it done the way you like, and I got a reputation to, to to protect. I'm not gonna get caught up in your melee of trying to get a Super Bowl, and then my reputation gets trashed in the in the in the uh, in the course of it. Like right. I'm not signing up for that.
0: Exactly, Tony says I hate how even when you don't get a fresh haircut, coach, it's still fresh. Love you like the that? show in both channels. Hashtag Belichick. <laughs>
1: Yes, it's grooming. Hey, Tony, you be knowing the geometry stays, baby. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I gotta cut my hair, though. I haven't cut my hair in two weeks. I gotta cut my hair.
0: Geometry stays. Jonathan says, "You guys make me smart." All right. Well, Jonathan, you make us rich. We're not smart. You make us smart, man. (laughs) (laughs) Holy chaos! Says Stetson Bennett situation with the Rams. Thumbs down. He fits the scheme. Um, you know, he's an older guy, he's 5'11. He, they're not going to give him to the Niners. Uh, I would probably put the Stetson in What do you
1: think about Makaki, the receiver out of Georgia?
0: I like him, but not where he's not where he's. I, I like he projected his,
1: like, second round guy,
0: yeah. I mean, he's projected like high he's second, a fourth round. round at best. He's a oh, fourth
1: yeah. round at best. I think he's a I fifth take round a flyer on him in the fifth round,
0: yeah. I, I do too. I mean, I like his ball skills, I mean, the mm-hmm. ridiculous ball skills. I mean, he's but. Um, I like him, but I don't like. I like him if if you have IU and you have Debo and you're looking for, um, like like some team like Philly has Devonte, they have AJ Brown, and they just want that slot guy with the sticky hands. I think he makes sense, but I don't yeah. see like Puka Nakua or anything. I don't see no. anything like that. But I think he's got. He's, there's no question he's productive. Mon Green, Eggcorn, correction, thumbs down on Staley. Bring on the hoodie. Yeah, nobody wants Brandon Staley. Come on. No, Drippy Dads, be. his first draft pick needs uh, to be a never satisfied avid attitude. Yeah. Yeah, whoever you get in the first round has got to be the right guy for your culture, not mm-hmm. just the right player. Mm-hmm. All right, Coach, what do you got cooking the rest of uh, your Saturday? Uh, hey, man, going to meet Depot, up. Uh, maybe uh, Beth, Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, not a little sure, bit. Uh, I'm sure bit if we'll have enough shows. time. If we'll have enough tar going,
1: uh, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna take the boy out, uh, go see my lovely woman, uh, and just go have a good day, man. You know, we worked hard for the week, so uh, let's just enjoy the rest of the
0: weekend. Sounds good. One last one, J Dog Boston. If I'm dead, what the heck am I pay- paying Kyle for if I have to go out and pay the greatest coach ever 20 million to be my DC and have the most talent in the NFL? Would it's you, on would, wax, J Dog, yeah. I mean, I. I don't think you'd pay him twenty million, but you might have to pay him twelve five. I think I think you might have to pay Bill Belichick two years and twelve. That's a, per that's year. an angle, though. Do you think Kyle's ego
1: is bruised in by the slightest the fact that he's reaching out to Bill Belichick? I Coach if, if hypothetical, we don't even know if they're
0: it's a reaching out. No, I think it's a great point. But why it works is they're both both egos are taking a hit. Um Bills mm, would take a hit. I like that. But Kyle's would take a hit and that's why it Right, worked. you know why? Everybody passed on Bill this year. Right? This Yeah, this so this is, is kind of better too. I like this. That. Yeah. Let, let's be totally ba- honest about this. Okay. This the Niners DC job is far and away the best football job that Bill Belichick can get for next season. Mm. He's not going to coach in college. He's not going to be a DB coach. There are no more head coaching gigs. The Niners are a Super Bowl contender. They've got a quarterback. They've got an offensive, you know, czar in Kyle. They've got a mature, you know, general manager in John Lynch. They're an iconic franchise. I wouldn't even be surprised if Jed and Kyle busted out Eddie to try to recruit Bill. Because Bill has so much respect for Eddie, and if Eddie he, there was there when Eddie went to the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, Coach, the Niners played New mm-hmm. England, and that that year, and Belichick went into the presser and was like, "Will somebody ask me about Eddie Bartolo?" Because he wanted so somebody asked him a question about Eddie Debartolo and he talked for like fifteen minutes about Eddie Bartolo. Is that on wax? Is that is that on camera? I think it is. I, I think gotta, it is. I got to watch that. I, 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 and it may not be 15 minutes. It may be like eight minutes. Right. But right you right. know what? It, he talked extensively about his love for Bill Belichick. I would type in Bill Belichick on Eddie D, um, Eddie DeBartolo, and just see what pops up in a story or somebody either recapped it in a story for sure, but maybe the audio is out there. I was from a conference call with the media. And he talked for a long time about Eddie. So there's a love there. And if Eddie, if the Niners somehow used that connection and had Eddie pick up the phone, I do think that Bill would respond to Eddie. And you think Eddie's still connected to us that way? No, but this is a unique situation. I mean, this is a very unique situation. I know Eddie loves the Niners. I know, I know he's. Yeah, I mean, I know he's still very much all in on the Niners. Um, I, if Jed asked him to do that, I think he would do that. I think it happened he would. in November 16, thousand
1: sixteen. Terse. Bill Belichick talks openly on uh, Eddie DeBartolo. Uh, is I the audio there I was, Can is I read his a- comment? Nah, no, yeah. it's just it's just all right. Uh, so I'm gonna read it right now. Patriots. Patriots coach Bill Belichick isn't normally one to offer useful insight when speaking to the media. But on a conference call with Bay Area reporters Wednesday, Belichick broke from his pattern of football-specific cliches to gush about former 49ers owner Eddie DeBartolo Jr., who's, been honored, who's being honored at halftime when New England travels to play San Francisco. DeBartolo was enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer, and his bus will be on display at the 49ers Museum. Here we go. Eddie and I actually go back a long way, Belichick said, I go back even further with his wife, Candy. When I was a kid, my dad grew up in the Struthers of Ohio, and her family, her parents, were great friends of my grandparents. They honestly had a lot to do with the opportunity my dad and ultimately our family received and knew Eddie through her. I have tremendous respect for Eddie. We competed against him for so many years when I was with the Giants in the NFC. Every game was a monster game, playoff games, the conference games. They were always great, great competition. I have so much respect for Eddie, the organization he built with the 49ers. I think his selection into the Hall of Fame is long overdue.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I got to jump because I got to go coach baseball at 1130. But that, to me, could be the ticket to uh, Belichick coming to the Niners. So anyway, I that's like it, It's a little bit of a hope and a dream, but we'll see. Coach, have a great week. We'll talk to you uh, later this week. And thanks to everybody. Peace. Thanks for uh, supporting The Krug Show. Support Coach's channel. Everybody like and subscribe over there. Bang, bang, baby. Have a great day, everybody. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for.